again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. It has been a little while since we have gotten together. Happy holidays to everyone. Happy New Year. Um, we yeah, have first, first 2019 edition. First 2019 edition, and here's a rough draft of, or an outline of what we're looking at. We'll get into the military bowl. The loss, anything stand out about the loss? Will there be a carryover for the Hokies into next season? We got some Trayvon Hill reactions to what he posted on social media. The Virginia rivalry. I mean, you know, Virginia puts sort of a, a statement game out there in their bowl, and what does that mean for the Hokies going forward? Rhode Island added to the schedule in a, in a very juiceless move, and we'll do our pick three as we always do. But let's start with Military Bowl because that was the most recent game, and we did we have not gotten together since then. 35-31, Cincinnati gets the win over the Hokies. Mike, your thoughts? There's a lot of rain in that game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, well, I think Virginia Tech, you know, Losing Ricky Walker kind of right at the start of that game uh, kind of set the tone, I think. Um, he was probably the guy you can't lose, um, and, and they really missed him. They were they um, just didn't have enough, uh, you know, at the end um, with uh, Michael Warren kind of running over uh, Virginia Tech's run defense. He saw them wore down because um, tackle's already thin. Uh, I just thought that was kind of the, the difference at the end. Uh, offensively, um, I, I thought they looked pretty good. They, they got a lot of guys, different guys involved. Um, you know, Ryan Willis kind of um, made some mistakes late, but it's kind of at par for the course for how he played this season where he did some good things, did some bad things, had them in position to win the game, but kind of couldn't get them over the hump. Um, they ran the ball well, uh, but it, it just – you know, I, I thought it was a very reflective of the season they had, up and down, ultimately didn't have enough um, to kind of get them over, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, the run defense was trash all season long, but I'm glad you mentioned Ricky because that's a tough way for him to go out. But if you go back to that Virginia game, you remember that that stand they made that just kept the, the, the possibility of a victory alive. Right. I think Ricky made three plays on, made three tackles, all yeah, three Yeah, he tackles. bounced on third down, I think, to the guy to the outside. And, and, yeah. and you just needed a play like that during that last drive for Cincinnati. You needed somebody to get in the backfield and just disrupt things and make, make it a problem. Well, and it, he forced fumbles in both those two last wins, too. I mean, yeah. there was nobody that made sort of that kind of – you know, Dylan Rivers had an interception – uh, but they couldn't kind of get that up front. Uh, just didn't look like they had anybody intimidating up there ready to kind of stop the run. How did you feel walking out of there in terms of the, the program as a whole? Because I know my column was, you know, I didn't go nuts after they beat Marshall. You know, I, I gave them the pat on the back that I thought they deserved, but I didn't go like crazy like, wow, what a job these guys have done and all this. Uh, I still, you know, still a disappointing season by almost any standard you look at. But then you walk out of there after having seen this loss. Uh, what were your just general thoughts about where this program is and where it's heading? Well, that was one of the interesting things Bud Foster said after the game. He's like, look, we wouldn't have walked out of here excited to be seven and six. You know, we would have been happier to win. Um, but that's not where we want to be. Uh, we, we have our sights set a little higher. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I've said this kind of all year uh, long uh it's about how expectations were framed 
Um, I think fans with Josh Jackson coming back um, had sort of that we would get to the ACC championship game or be in position to, uh, not in a sort of a rebuild year. Uh, but when you looked at what the defense had and especially the attrition they had, you know, once you lose Trayvon Hill, uh, House Gain, you know, you had all these injuries. Um, it, it, it just became a rebuild, really, essentially. Um, and it's not a bad rebuilding year. You know, you go seven, you go six and seven, you make the bowl, you beat Virginia, and I, and I think they established some talent, um, some guys, especially for the future. I think Trey Turner is kind of a stud uh, and really flashy. Um, but even so, you got Dax Hollyfield and Christian Darrisau and some pieces. Um, you're not losing very much. You lose Ricky. You lose three offensive linemen. Stephen Peoples, who's an okay back. But, I mean, you, you talk about next year what you're bringing back, and you're bringing back the bulk of your team. So I don't think you feel bad. Um, I, I don't think you loved how the defense didn't necessarily show as much improvement as you'd like. But I think a lot of that can be contributed to just injuries and just being short, short man. I kind of disagree a little bit, only because – I think some of the the problems they had were self inflicted. I mean, they you know they they're kicking guys off the team, and they're you know we'll get into Trayvon Hill later. Uh, kind of correlates with that, but you know you, you just don't have any any depth to withstand injuries. You you know you just kind of it felt like I'm sure Tech would call them reasons but then you know for fans i think it feels like excuses it's like they just you know it's put up or shut up you know you you need to uh the the, the this program has a higher standard uh it's just we haven't seen a rebuilding year i guess let's put it that way i mean we've seen seven and six three times in beamer's last four years but that also kind of just felt like okay this changing of the guard is coming um and and so you know you're, as long as you don't slip below a certain level that's okay or, or not okay, but it's you know it's it's kind of understandable. You know this is year three of of, of Fuente, and you know for a guy who won Coach of the Year in the ACC his first year here, this was a damaging year to his I think to his reputation. Well, I mean you're trending down record wise, so I mean that's obviously you know fans will say that's a sign of alarm, but at the same time you look at it and he made some tough decisions. Look, you cut you cut players that are going to be starters. Um, and you have to make a decision, what do you value? And he valued kind of future stability with these young guys. How do we set the example? I don't think some teams would have cut a guy like Mook Reynolds or Trayvon Hill um, and let them be on the team, but I, I think with sort of the makeup of the roster, Fuente made a decision to, look, if it, it might hurt us, but we have a future to look out for, and we have to set a better example. And so um, – I think he may, you know, Adonis not qualifying academically, obviously is not necessarily his fault. You know, they've done a pretty good job over during his tenure with that. Um, but, you know, you're going to lose guys sometimes and it just all kind of happen at once. And then you add all the guys they lost to the NFL. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I don't necessarily think, look, if they bounce back next year, you just kind of look at it as progression. You kind of had to take a step back to take two steps forward. Um, it just, it, it's, hard for a program that hasn't done that you know but but i mean I, I think you can say that they did you know this was a team that was perennially winning 10 games and then was average for a while and right um you got to get out of that cycle right so the hope is now you've had your average year and you bounce back not to have another seven and six or six and seven year yeah i think in 2016 when they what won nine games 
uh, I think people were like, okay, great. You know, it, it, we, we finally understand what it means to win 10 games. That's a good season. It's not a bad season. Um, so hopefully the, the new standard is, is nine to 10 wins a year. And every once in a while, you're, you're going to be in that national mix. Um, I think we should talk about Trayvon now just because he's kind of been touched on already. Right. You know, recent, th- this week uh, he posted on social media sort of an explanation of why he got kicked off the team. Um, explain a little bit about what he said and uh, sort of uh, what that means. It was sort of a goodbye letter. Um, he didn't kind of lay out specifically what he has next, but I think this is kind of the first step for him into what he wants to do, sort of a – an apology, half apology, half explanation uh, of what happened. Um, he said basically it came down to during the ODU game, he had a confrontation with some teammates um, and a member of the staff, an unidentified member of the staff heard that. And then he had a uh, heated exchange with that staff member. Um, he said there was no formal investigation or complaint, um, but that led to his sort of dismissal. Um, He said, uh, to quote his letter, he's still confused and hurt about why his dismissal was the solution to a problem I sincerely believe could have been talked out. Um, He does sort of apologize and say he regretted his part in it. Um, Won't be declaring for the NFL draft, which means I think he's going to be trying because he was on campus throughout the winter. um, And I would imagine he's either going to graduate this spring to be a graduate transfer um, and kind of continue his career because he says he wants to fans to see him Saturdays uh, in the fall. Um, this kind of contradicts a little bit. Uh, I mean, there was a precipitating incident in that ODU game. Uh, the coaching staff had never talked about it uh, or been specific because, um, you know, uh, Fuente, when he kicked him off, said in a statement that Hill didn't meet the standards of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said it was a cul- he said ultimately it was a culmination of things that sort of um, led to the dismissal, not just that. If it was that one incident, he would have made maybe a different decision. Right, and don't forget that ODU game, the second half was littered with personal foul penalties by the team. And it was, uh, you know, he, when Fuente addressed us after the game, his major thing was there's there's nothing I'm more disappointed in than our lack of maturity and discipline in this. And I, I think you could see a scenario if Trayvon's had st- – you know, missteps before and he has another one and you're saying this to the public after the game and you don't do anything about him. Uh, you know, maybe a suspension might have been in order and as opposed to a, a booting. But um, I think you can kind of see where he was coming from. If you go back in time, and certainly they missed the guy. I mean, there's no question. He, he was finished there. second on the team in sacks and he played three games. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, uh, I mean that's really all you need to know. Yeah, and uh, you think that wouldn't have, wouldn't have helped. And, you know, Notre Dame and those other games, you know. Uh, so I, I think fans, are, you know, are, are – are right to be frustrated when things like that happen, but you can also kind of see why it happened too. Well, and you know, he didn't start the Florida State game, and ESPN said it was academic issues, which uh, Fuente denied. But um, you know, there there had been issues with him in the past, and um, and like I said, I think it's more of a Fuente took a longer term view. If you keep him on the program, and he has a great year and goes to the NFL. Um, what do you gain if you've set a bad example for everybody else? What about the next guy? What about all you've got 
eight defensive linemen, or I, I don't know what the exact number is, but redshirt freshman, freshman. You know, what can we get away with now? We could fight our coaches or, or argue with our coaches and, and, and um, show disrespect at halftime and not have any punishment or only lose a game. And, and I think it was ultimately, you know, you have to have standards. And I, I don't, you know, fans will be upset because, like you said, it obviously impacted them on the field. Uh, you know, 100%. There's no question. Trayvon Hill might have made a difference in, in one of those games. I don't think he gets them to 10 wins or nine wins, but, you know, that Cincinnati game, you know, you pressure a quarterback, you, you might get just one or two more times, you might right. get the win. Um, it, but, uh, you know, you just have to have those. You had to make a decision. And I, and I don't think Fuente made the wrong one in this case because, um, you know, Hill was a guy that if he had a good season, he wouldn't have been here anyway. He would have gone to the NFL. Right. Okay, let's pull the lens back just a bit here. How much do you think there will be some carryover from this military bowl loss into next season? Or is it a complete reboot and that this is forgotten the minute they step into off-season workouts? I think it's a complete reboot because, you know, Fuentes talked about how with these young kids, these freshmen, (laughs) some of these guys haven't played, it's they don't know what they don't know. So, I mean, really, what is the difference? You know, they don't have anything to compare it to. um, And... You had that two – you know, look, if they went and lost the fifth in a row to Virginia and didn't qualify – or lost to Marshall and didn't qualify for a bowl, I could see some of that sort of lingering because that's ugly. That's bad. You made the bowl game. You won those two uh, in, in sort of emotional and con, con, and you beat Marshall convincingly. Then you were in the game against Cincinnati. It's not like Cincinnati came out and blew them out for you to nothing or had a performance like Georgia Tech or Pittsburgh. So uh, – I don't see it. Uh, you've been here for a lot more bowl games. There's been wins. There's been losses. Have you seen a case where a bowl game carries over? Um, you know, Frank Beamer's talked about how the national title game, they thought they'd get back and they never did. Uh, was there hangover after that? I mean, have, have you seen anything sort of linger from a bowl game? No, season? they were good after that. I mean, you know, there is uh, – Frank would always talk about how the biggest impact of a bowl loss was the fact that you had to go on your annual – donation drive you know your annual <laughs> booster club meeting and the questions that were, we're posed a little to more you angry we're a little more uh spirited let's say uh, so that was what he dreaded about losing bowl games and he lost quite a few of them i mean he was about i think a little shade under 500 as a bowl coach and that was a problem there for a while and they started winning them when they got to some of the lesser tier bowls uh, late in his career but yeah i mean i think i'm willing to go along with sort of the party line of hey this was just a junk season that you just want to kind of forget and and sort of just as long as it as long as they don't start off poorly next season um you know i'm i'm willing to just sort of give this give this staff a mulligan on this one. i mean look bud foster's earned a mulligan he had his worst defense he's ever had here but you know if you're a tech fan you gotta just hope that's a one-off and all the things we've already mentioned, uh, you know, all the all the uh, ancillary factors don't happen next year. And if they happen next year, then I think all of it ties to this year. You know, I think you can make connections if, if you st- start to see a lot of that stuff happen, even in the offseason. I mean, even the summer, if you're starting to see a lot of that crap you saw last summer, um, you start to really, really question things. So I think they lose a little uh, or quite a bit of their uh, benefit of the doubt. Uh, but... Uh, they can wipe all that away with a good start to next season, you know, a 4-0, 5-0 start, and all of a sudden everyone's thinking, well, 2018 was an aberration. 
Yeah, and I mean, fans weren't all that excited about the bowl game anyway, so it's not like you could say, I mean, you know, put all this meaning into one game that, you know, Cincinnati is an okay team, is fine. They weren't a bad team. They had that the running back was very good. Um, it was a play in a rainy day. I mean, it's not like it was like, uh, I don't think it was a showcase for either team of, you know, their, their best football either. So, um, yeah, I don't see it carrying over. I mean, you know, Ryan Willis, they're going to have that quarterback competition and he didn't have sort of a horrible day or a great day. He, you know, wasn't going to, I don't think that sort of tipped any scales. And, um, I, I just think it is what it, this team was, was average and that's how they finished the season. And that's how they played the bowl game. And, you know, you hope they take a step forward because they were young. Well, two days before I was with you in the press box at the Military Bowl, I was in the press box at the Belk Bowl. And I have to say, I mean, that was a thorough thrashing that Virginia put on South Carolina. 28 to nothing uh, and really uh, never in doubt. And Perkins played very well. Uh, He's completely been the X factor for them. Bryce Hall announces after the game, you know, they're they're a very strong uh, cornerback who's an NFL candidate. Uh, he he announced he's coming back for next season. It was just all you know, all the things you felt two days later at the military board when you're walking out of there with so much uncertainty. I felt the opposite walking out of Virginia. And I want to address this, you know, as a as a from a hokey perspective here because I think people keep an eye on what's going on in Charlottesville uh, from from Blacksburg and surrounding areas. So, wh- what do you think this means for the Virginia rivalry? The fact uh, that uh, the Cavaliers look to be on on the come. Well, it's I think the the biggest thing is like you said, Hall coming back, and you got Perkins still for that another year. Um, I, you know, I don't know how much the bowl game means. Um, South Carolina, obviously SEC team, so you kind of give them some credit. I don't know how good they were. You know, how, I don't know what kind of measuring stick it is. I mean, it shows I think Virginia, uh, you know, bounced back nicely from that pretty crushing loss um, from against Virginia Tech um, and it always felt like in that first half South Carolina was going to come back and then it, Virginia in the second half just shut the door in impressive fashion um, you know I, I think Virginia's there uh, but they still got to prove it you know it's like they've got to get a win for I think fans to kind of take them seriously over Virginia Tech because this was a year where they should have clearly won i mean just where the teams were situated you know i don't know that there's a you know virginia tech still the talent level is still there you know obviously but uh, just where the teams were um yeah they, they they let one get away so um that i think has more of an effect in your heads next year when that game comes around than something like a bowl loss or bowl win because like man we kind of jinxed ourselves and we lost on a fumble a snap right. exchange um and Perkins will be at quarterback, so it's not going to be like a new guy stepping in. Um, it, it'll be it'll be fun because I think it's going to be at you know it's at their place, um, and obviously Virginia's in a much better place than they were five years ago. And that streak, you know, I don't think any coach will say a streak is a bad thing, but it does put a weight. You know, it does put way more pressure on Virginia Tech, whereas you're approaching like 20 years, you know, 16 years. Right. Um, to not lose that game and you play and you know can these young guys feel that because um i I think that's going to keep getting bigger and bigger that pressure yeah yeah i was up in charlottesville the week before the bowl game and and talking to some of the players just about how long it took them to get over the virginia tech loss and all of them 
almost all of them said, I'm not over it yet. I mean, it's still on their head. It's still on their mind. So they accomplished one of the two goals they really set out this year was to get to a bowl and win it. But the other one that, that's still out there. So Oh, and the emphasis they placed on it, you know, yes. for 365 days, basically, or countdown. When did he put the countdown clock in the I summer? I don't remember when it started, but, but I know it, it was it, still it, there in August for sure. And yeah. So, I mean, you know, Fuente's taking a different, you know, their 1-0 and approach, whereas – so, you know, if you lose one, you could bounce back. Or if you put a game on the calendar and say, we need to win this one, right. and you lose it, um, that's not that's not good. <laughs> I mean, that's not easy to sort of turn the page on. Well, the new rivalry in town is Virginia Tech-Rhode Island. That is uh, – well, that, that announcement comes out, and I just saw fireworks explode, and everyone, I mean, just pouring giant pitchers of juice everywhere. And I think my wife asked, Rhode Island has a football team? <laughs> well – they they do um sort of it's that's an fcs squad now the Hokies have two fcs squads the other one is Furman. is that correct that's correct okay what this juiceless home schedule uh it's it's, it's really a fun bad. year gotta, for us because we get to go to miami and boston yeah the road it's like a it's like for sports writers it's fine because you get two good road trips but i mean and we got notre um, dame too right that's and notre dame one. yeah so um but for fans from a home fan perspective um Ugly. So, oh, so this will be okay. So they're going to open up with the ACC uh, opener, which will be different because uh, launch the network. So that'll be a, uh, sort of a uh, sort of a quirk, a unique quirk in the schedule now this year and in twenty one. But then in, in a four week span, there's going to be a game in between here. Uh, you have ODU, Furman, and Rhode Island, and so there'll be a fourth opponent. But that's a four week. That's a month stretch of football. Yeah. That is a terrible, terrible. I mean, oh, that, I can't you, defend that. Can yeah. you? Rem- but can you remember a stretch where you where a team has played? Well, the Hokies have put together some schedules over the years. Oh, but I, so I, is I'd that, love to go back and look and see where this compares to some of those years. And that and that was Jim Weaver near the end of his tenure. I mean, that was his scheduling philosophy: is that we have to get one FBS, you know, solid foe on this. You know, somebody like a Cincinnati, and then the ECU was supposed to be kind of that team. Um, and uh, we we know what's happened with that that situation. Is there anything new to report on ECU? Well, the, 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 it's just going to be whether they cancel the two remaining games on the uh, three remaining games on the schedule. So they Virginia Tech canceled the road games, uh, which include the nineteen games. So and then they'll have openings in twenty three and twenty five to fill. This is get all numbers. But so now the home game the the home games they against East Carolina they have three left are still on there for twenty twenty. 22 and 24 the assumption is east carolina will eventually cancel those you know out of reciprocity um but who knows when that'll happen um and they could wait to try to leave virginia tech in a lurch again to you know have to reschedule that um but next year doesn't matter as much i mean because your roads your uh conference schedule liberty penn state at home which is a good one middle tennessee on the road which is a decent road game um, so you know you're probably looking at another FB, F, FCS team, um, but this year is the is the just yeah because only one of them counts only one of them counts towards both. So you got to win if you if you win both of those you got to win five other games. You didn't hear me correctly. Only one of them counts. <laughs> period. <laughs> I mean, well, we're gonna be at the stadium fact, for both. That, that of them. We're count. gonna have to sit through both <laughs> of them. So they they're gonna count in some fashion. Um, <laughs> I just I go back to that. You know. What what it'll ma- what it makes a difference is so their first five weeks they got the ACC opener we don't know who that's going to be, um, 
but say it's Wake or uh, a Georgia Tech team that's transitioning away from the triple option. I heard BC thrown out there as BC, a you know, um, your first five weeks, you might have no idea what this. I mean, this team could roll to a, easily to a five and zero record, and you have no idea what they're like. Right. Yeah, that because I mean that it'll be lopsided, you know, completely in the early to mid two thousands. That's kind of what happened at Tech. I mean, they'd start five and six and zero every year, and then the the wheels would come off when they played teams that actually had some talent. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how much we're going to learn, but it will give them some time, maybe to to you know get any guys who need to get up to speed up to speed. Well, and I think you know <laughs> the scheduling this year will matter more maybe than in year past, like how it's divvied up because i mean you're looking at november notre dame at notre dame set for november 2nd right probably you got virginia at the end of the year uh at virginia so say you have one of those cupcakes like you say you start with north carolina or something and you have wake early but then you have at the end of the year you have road trips to miami boston college uh, virginia and notre dame in november or something like that i mean that could be really tough. So um, it, the how that all kind of shakes out where some of these opponents are, um, I think will make a difference. And I think you want Georgia Tech early to try to catch them when they're still trying to figure things out. Um, but that September schedule is brutal. It's just brutal. Yeah. I think we should touch briefly on the Clemson – uh, Alabama game just to talk about your win on the on the on the banks <laughs> on the on the money line you yeah celebrate short term investment went well but no I, I I think let's phrase it like this what does this mean for the rest of the ACC I mean Trevor <laughs> Lawrence is a stud I mean well, he's Clemson, got two more uh, years Clemson's good I mean <laughs> I mean they were good before that you know they they were a step ahead look they were a step a, three steps ahead of the rest of the conference. Going into they were, Monday they night, they were favored by a dozen points or more in every single game until the, this last one, and then they were an underdog. But I mean, they almost lost to Syracuse, so yeah. I mean, it wasn't like um, there wasn't you know teams get tripped up sometimes, and sure. and, and that happens. Um, but they're still just ahead of the. De- I mean, look, they're they're the best team in the country, and so obviously the best team in the conference by a, by a country mile, and. Coach Fuentes admitted that, and I think every team in the SEC knows that. It's not like this came out of nowhere. Um, it's just going to be hard to kind of keep pace with that quarterback for the next two years. They're going to have to rebuild the line a little bit, defensive line. Um, but, you know, they're recruiting at a higher level. Their facilities are at a higher level. Uh, Coaching-wise, they've been stable and, and doing doing really well. And, um I, I, you know, I, there's nothing else to say than that they, they're just ahead of the pack. Well, Fuente had that great line last year uh, about playing them as like having to try to defuse a bomb because there's just so many good players. You know, you just don't know which one to start with. But yeah, uh, and then closer to home, I guess, in a way, uh, with with them being in the coastal, you have Miami. Uh, Mark Richt retires out of the blue, and then they, you know they hire Manny Diaz back from. From Temple, what, what do you think of that Diaz hire there? A weird, because I think the offense has always been the sort of the fo- focus there, and if the offense struggles, the team needs a new coach. So you go with a defensive guy, and I'm not sure uh, how much that made sense since that wasn't really the issue there. It was sort of the uninspired offense and the fact that they couldn't find a quarterback. And, um, you know, the ACC is in a weird spot. 
I think you're really just competing for second right at this point. Right. So um, I don't think anybody's sort of looking at Clemson and say, how do we get there? Because I don't think that's realistic. I think that the, the goal is to try to be second, get, get to that, get lock up. Or, I mean, try to get to a New Year's Six, you know, but not be uh, you're not going to be in the playoff right now because Clemson's by far in a way. It's not a one year, two year sort of deal where you can rebuild um, and Miami. And, you know, these teams chasing that sort of spark, I, I think, are not approaching it right. And Virginia Tech's done the opposite where they saw, you know, they're, they're trying for stability and trying to kind of keep that going and eventually get to a place where you can win 10 games every year. Um, but it's going to be hard to kind of ever kind of compete with Clemson the way they did it. Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech's first goal has always been to win the Coastal, and that's going to remain their goal. I mean, the Coastal Division champion last year was Pittsburgh. They are now 7-7, seven and seven. <laughs> right? And they Did fired they their offensive 14? coordinator. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, I, I asked somebody this, and they laughed uh, on the beat. Um, what do you, if, they, if Virginia Tech had made the championship against Clemson, what do you think the score oh, would have been? Dear Lord. <laughs> would have been a mercy I, rule I, at halftime? Uh, maybe. And it's, not, it's yeah. not a knock on Virginia Tech. I mean, they, it was, that would have been a, just a horrible matchup for them. But, I mean, you see what the Clemson A was able to do. I mean. Yeah, I, I, you want to make the championship game, but I don't know if you want to make the championship <laughs> game. You know, in that in this year, I don't think it would have been good for the morale of the program if you go in there and lose seventy to nothing. No, no, I don't know if that that doesn't leave you feeling too good, but but it does put you in a little higher tier bowl wise, right? I mean, sure, so yeah, we that, would have enjoyed the camping world bowl, right. but um, you know, you lost. They lost so badly to Georgia Tech and Pittsburgh. Yes, what would have Clemson have done to it? What do you realistically? What do, you, do you think they would have scored? Uh, Ten points, sixty-two, ten, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I let's let. I mean, I have some faith that Ryan Willis can give them some points. I mean, Willis's performance—you touched on it earlier, but and we'll definitely talk about this more as spring practice approaches. But I think it's interesting that the quarterback situation next year will be. There's a battle there. I mean, you got Patterson in that mix. You've got. Jackson coming back, and now you've got Ryan Willis with a much better resume than what he had at Kansas. Uh, where do you see that thing? Do you, is that just Josh Jackson's job to lose again, or or did did Willis put enough doubt in your mind that that's going to be a, a a real fierce battle, or is it is it Patterson lurking there who's going to take the, the snaps? Look, I think they respect what Ryan Willis did enough. Um, and his toughness and I mean because he was a competitor he I mean he took some and he injured himself he injured his shoulder in the last game um, he uh, he gave this team everything he had and out of respect of, for that I think they'll make it a legitimate competition and not just in sort of you know sometimes you I think this was like this last year here it was it was a quarterback competition and I'm making quotes which is not very good radio <laughs> um, you know where it's like we have an open uh, competition but it's really just we say that because we want everybody to sort of be in it's it, but right. it's not an open competition. This year, I think, is different. I think, and it's not out of, I don't think, disrespect to what Josh Jackson did either. I don't think you're saying right. he wasn't good enough or he doesn't deserve to be back in there. But I think you have to say, look, Ryan came in and did respectably. Uh, you know, he didn't lock it up, and, you know, you don't, but um, I've said uh, before, and I, I, before the bowl game, and it's my thought after that it's Josh's still to lose. I just think he's a little more polished and a little more 
I don't know, not not knowledgeable, but just sort of more comfortable doing some different things, changing plays of the line, evaluating defenses, and and doing some things. And um, I I just think if he's back healthy and has a full spring, that he should be able to win. You know, Quincy's a bit of a wild card, but I I still think he needs some time to kind of polish, especially in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, I'd have a hard time seeing Willis kind of coming out and, and winning it necessarily. Yeah, I think there's a lot of teams out there that would love to have a Ryan Willis uh, as their quarterback. I mean, I think he's good enough. He showed that this year. So it's kind of a good problem for Tech to have. I mean, that's not a position that you, you feel like they're going to open up with somebody who's not not ready. I mean, or not you know not not capable. So th- that's the probably the least of of their worries there. So. I don't know. Should we uh, also talk? Maybe give me a minute on or thirty seconds on recruiting, since we did not get together after the first the, the signing day. I mean, just you know, highlights, lowlights, where they fit in nationally, that kind of thing. Well, recruiting. I mean, really, it's sort of you know the early signing day is really signing day. I mean, they signed nineteen. They've talked about not even signing anybody else for this cycle. Um, you know, I, I think there's still talk of another junior college defender to try to add some more depth and experience. Uh, the only other surprise was they added a, a junior college defensive back. That was the only name that they hadn't um, signed before signing day that they added. Um, everything sort of they didn't lose anybody. Everything sort of went to plan. Um, you know, good class. Uh, top 35, I think, around there. Um, I thought it was like. Yeah, twenty eighth or something like that. So, but I mean, you know, if they don't add anybody, they'll probably drop because other teams are going to probably bring some guys in. Right. Um, but you know, not a bad class. Obviously, most uh, you know four, five receivers, three offensive linemen, kind of heavy. Uh, Brian Hudson is kind of that top offensive lineman to watch. Jesse Hansen is a local kid. Um, Jaden Peyote, I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but uh, Jaden uh, made some waves at the Under Armour All-American game with some pretty nice catches in, in practice and turned some heads. He's a guy to watch there, but everything sort of went to plan. Uh, it was kind of a quiet, weird sort of thing where um, you're still, you know, you're preparing for the bowl and you have signing day, so coaches sort of just had work to do afterwards yeah. so it wasn't it's it's just a different feel now so uh it, you know what to watch now is if they even add anybody you know yeah. will they and if they don't will they even have a press cut that's i mean that's sort of a strange place on national signing day not even have anything you know um that'll be what to watch okay all right you want to do pick three sure okay get us going uh, have you watched Bird Box? Have you? Watched? I, ha- I have not. I have. I watched the first twenty-five minutes, and I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, I want to watch the whole thing. I was trying to get my wife to watch it because she doesn't like scary movies. And right. The preview that auto plays on Netflix yeah. makes it look like really terrible, and like you know, kids are in danger. So she's like, no way. Right. But I keep trying to get her. So, but uh, it's been like dominating Twitter, and, sure. you know, memes and everything. But I was just curious because um, it didn't really jump out at me like i watched the first 20 minutes and i was like i could never go back and i'll be fine i was just curious if you had seen any of it because you know it's really taken sort of the internet by storm and and i was thinking about watching it tonight it's funny because my first one was going to be netflix too uh i quit netflix but then brian regan my favorite comedian had that little show that he came on with and i have to say i was disappointed in the brian regan show was it uh, basically what he does he does like uh 
a, sh- a brief routine that he's done before, and I've seen everything he's ever done. So these are not new routines. And then it, it introduces a skit. This is sort of like what Chappelle's show did. You know, uh, the skits are funny. I enjoyed those, but it's really not a lot of new content for a guy. But like it got me. you to repurchase Netflix. It got me so to repurchase Netflix. And what I've been doing is watching uh, Black Mirror again because I love that show. Uh, okay. I mean, that did was, you watch the uh, Bandersnatch? I did. So I was watched, that your pick three? That was, that uh, yeah, that was what I was going to get to was the Bandersnatch, and I didn't like it. I was disappointed. Did you do multiple branching paths, or did you just do one? Uh, yeah, no, it gave me the options. To no, pick. but did you did you go back? Oh and do yeah, alternate? yeah, it sends you back. Uh, I think after after and to to the points and and you can try the other one and yeah, see yeah, what yeah. happens. And something happened while I was watching it, and I don't know, it screwed it up. I think I missed a part or something. But um, generally speaking, I'm a huge fan of that franchise. But I, I was disappointed, and that's part of the reason. My expectations were through the roof that this would be so amazing. But I, I would recommend, if you haven't seen Black Mirror, just go back and watch those Black Mirror episodes rather than watch this Bandersnatch and, and find and, and make any determinations on how good the show is. Because it's different. I mean, it's much different than the, the... It's different. I mean, it's got some... Same tone, similar tone. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not as much about technology and stuff. It's more just sort of about metaphysical, you know, possibilities, right. which... You know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. No big deal. Um, my second one, uh, this is uh, Super Dave Osborne. Uh, yeah. Bob Einstein passed away uh, last week. And I was rewatching. Uh, my wife really didn't know who he was, uh, which I just find crazy. Um, but, you know, his show, he had a show on Showtime uh, for years, Super Dave. Uh, reoccurring. Did a lot on Letterman. So I was watching some of his old stand-ups. Uh, he's very funny, very, very dry sense of humor and very strange sense of humor. Uh, so if you haven't heard of him and if you're a younger uh, kid out there, uh, go on YouTube and look up some of his clips. There, He certainly has a unique sense of humor. And his clip, did you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? I have never watched that, no. He does a, he's a reoccurring character on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. And he tells this very filthy joke to Jerry Seinfeld. And it's improv, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm improv. So it's clear that Jerry Seinfeld does not know that what he's going to say mm-hmm. and gets him to la- like genuinely laugh. And it's, it's, a, it's like two minutes and it's like my favorite clip. Uh, and it always makes me laugh. Uh, no. Very filthy, not safe for work. And if you're easily offended, do not watch it. <laughs> but it's it just the way you know to make another comedian laugh right uh and to catch them off guard um was sort of just a, a fun uh so i rewatched some of that and and uh he because he passed away uh very sad and he was albert brooks's brother i don't yeah. think a lot of people knew that so albert brooks's real name is albert einstein yeah he changed it yeah he changed it so um did bob einstein always sound like that did he always have that he had, voice he had he, a, okay a hoarse voice but not as hoarse so i don't know if he had you know just some, getting older yeah or older or something with throat you know sometimes you have uh, you know nodules uh, uh my wife's a speech pathologist so when she heard him that was her main observation yeah. she's like what what is going on so um but he always was very dry like that so okay well and I swear you recommended this on, on one have. of our top three, but you now tell me that you haven't actually seen it. So maybe what you did say was, I, I want to watch it. Right. Uh, I, I highly recommend the Adam Sandler Netflix special. I, you know, I was telling you off air, I thought maybe I'd just outgrown that kind of humor. And, and if you read my Twitter feed, you know I haven't. I'm still the same you know, potty humor guy. Um, I just realized now, having watched this new special, 
that he just hasn't been funny for like 15 years. That's, you know, he just, he just went in, uh, you know, on cruise control there. But this is good stuff. I mean, and, and if you liked his old albums and, you know, sort of the Happy Gilmore era, the Billy Madison era, you will like this. This is, it's funny. Uh, there's a couple songs that you'll take with you. Um, there's a lot of songs. That's uh, that's part of a uh, part of the appeal of it, um, and they're in almost I'd, I'd say eighty of them, eighty percent of them hit. You know, they're good. Uh, there's a couple that are like, all right, but um, so yeah, check that out if you uh, get a chance. Did you watch? Uh, uh, not to make it all about TV, but my third because it's on. I think again tonight. Um, Masked Singer. Did you hear about this show? <laughs> I heard about it. I didn't watch it. No. I we put it on just for the kids because we thought the kids would like the uh, the costumes and the and and the kid. And my my oldest uh, Ben now just was like, anytime he sees a commercial, he's like, is it on? We gotta watch it. We is it on? And he really enjoyed it. It's terrible. Just all, <laughs> just I can just guess. dreadful. <laughs> but we did watch it, and it did launch big. I think it had like a ten million viewers on the first week and a really big rating. But um, Antonio Brown was the unmasked singer. Yeah. Um, I guess it was taped like a year ago. So um, I don't know if any of the celebrity. I don't know if they're gonna have any big celebrities. I guess it's an import and like overseas. Ryan Reynolds did this like okay. in Korea, which is very strange. Like he would be a huge celebrity to have on that show, but I don't sure. know if any will reach that level. Um, the costumes are fun. Um, the actual show is literally miserable. Like they have <laughs> guests. They have judges. Um, uh, one of them's uh, Alan Thicke's son. Uh, I don't remember his name. Uh, okay. Robin Thicke. Okay. Uh, one of them's Jenny McCarthy. Okay. One of them's Ken Jong, the comedian who does right. a sitcom. Um, but uh, one of them's a pussycat doll. Um, just I can I cannot stress how bad it is, but. It's like if you have kids, you, the kids would probably get a kick out of it. Yeah, it was a hippo costume, <laughs> peacock costume. But I, mean, I, I heard like, the audio from Antonio Brown, and he was and not a very was good. Not impressed. No, he was not very good. He did my um, prerogative, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't look up to see if uh, the internet has guessed the other, because uh, I guess six went last week, six more will go this week, and then they'll redo do more performances each. But um, I cannot I I cannot stress enough, it's a train wreck of a show. Yeah. Like literally, just miserable. Well, that's America, right? But now. yeah, it didn't. Somebody wrote an article like, "This is the future of television." Yeah. Like it's like you could see this in a post-apocalyptic movie where this would be what's on television. Yeah, so some of the clips I've seen just look kind of creepy. Very strange. Yeah. It looks like it was shot in a basement somewhere. Not very, other than the costumes themselves, it's like really cheap. Uh, and, the, and, and like the judges, all the judges do are just shout out ridiculous guesses for who the celebrities are. Uh-huh. So they're not like they're like you're. You know, you sound masculine, so you must be Tom Cruise. It's like it's like that. Yeah. It's it's like or just ridiculous things like that. I, I and Jenny McCarthy. I mean, like uh, her her. Um, you know, when you have like your um, name and your like your uh, your profession under it. Like uh. you know, they'll identify you. Hers is like pop culture guru or something. Like it's like <laughs> that's her qualification. Um, just really dreadful. Okay. All right, but, well, but I mean, you have kids, so they uh, might get a kick out of it. I that. don't. You should sit down. It's My daughter t- might like. Yeah, it's like on that. tonight. You should watch like five minutes okay. and be like, "This is the end of America as we know it." We got into the voice briefly during one of the seasons, and that's just because my daughter. This, this my daughter has makes a crush the voice look like just the best show on television. Like, and this, <laughs> it's like really bad. It's really bad. Well, uh, my third one, I'm, I will be celebrating my 42nd birthday next week. Happy birthday! And thank you, but. Uh, I, I was like, well, I'm getting pretty old. But then 
I saw how old John Harbaugh is. Can you guess how old John Harbaugh is? John Harbaugh. The Ravens coach, yes. Is, uh, is he older than I'd expect or younger? Oh, no, than I'm I not going to tell you that. Well, I mean, 54. Okay. He's 56. I mean, he looks great. He's like, he they, looks yeah, that's absolutely that's fabulous yeah. for 56. Yeah. That gives me hope. Like, I got 14 years to put myself into a position to look as good as John Harbaugh. Now, I don't got the John Harbaugh face, but I can at least get my, you know, get the shave off a couple of LBs and, you know, and just look as fit and, and happy as he looks. Well, at least he did until that game the other day where, where Lamar Jackson reverted to uh, something terrible but um yeah i just wanted to point out that john harbaugh looks great for 56 way to go john harbaugh he does uh well that always you know uh you know john mahoney the actor from fraser yeah the dad mm-hmm. he 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 lived a long life he passed away uh, a couple years ago i think or actually th- earlier this year but he uh he didn't start acting till he was like 45 or something like that and okay. he's one of those examples of people see you know your life doesn't start you don't necessarily right. like you know, and he had one of the, you know just a fantastic career, um, uh, but he's one of those guys where uh, people use him as examples. Like you know, you don't you don't life doesn't necessarily start before you're forty five. You know, you could sure, use, no. do something different. It's never so. too late to do stuff. Right, right. right. Yeah. So maybe you're going to be the next coach of the Ravens. Is what you're saying? Well, could be. They could have I mean, an opening. They just they listen to this podcast an... and listen to the amazing analysis <laughs> I provide. Uh, uh, did you have a third one? Did I I did a third one. My okay, third one you, was uh, what was it called? The masked. masked? Yeah, yeah, masking. Oh, okay, again, okay. you want me to say how dreadful? It, no, no, really no. bad. I, think I cannot covered. stress enough. I think we've covered it. All right, before we get out of here, I think we should briefly mention basketball. I mean, Virginia Tech's in the top ten. Uh, I saw their ACC opener the other night. They looked you great. You got to the Notre Dame game. Right? Notre Dame yeah. on New Year's Day. That kind of sucked coming back from the bowl game and then going straight to a basketball game. But it was in a way it was a good transition for me because this is going to be all hoops all the time and some hockey on the side. But um, very impressive and, and, and just the juxtaposition of one day sitting in the in an in a interview room talking to guys about being young and hurt and, and having guys play before they're ready and then going to a place where you know all the players – and they're all, you know, old, and they're all good, and you know, they—that was sort of my lead. I mean, that was what uh, Mike Bray said, the coach from Notre Dame, was they're old, they come downhill on you, and they can all shoot. They all know where everybody's going to be. That team has a chance to really make some huge noise. Obviously, if they're in the top ten, you would think that anyway. But just seeing them live for the first time this year, I think, you know, reinforced to me that yeah, they're, they're legit, and they've got. Virginia on Tuesday, next Tuesday, uh, at Virginia, uh, huge, huge. Well, the uh, only bad news for, for Tech was that on that day, uh, that day was that they ruled out Chris Clark and Landers Nolly for the rest of the season, so that was kind of a blow. Uh, that was a blow, but they've lived, they've learned to live without those guys too. I mean, they've played without them all year, uh, and Clark, you know. Clark is a good player. He, he's a very good player. He, some some games he's their best player, but. He's also, you know, they've gotten used to playing without him in, uh, in the previous years, too. I mean, he's been hurt. He's, you know, Sometimes he's, those things upset the chemistry more when you throw those guys in late in the season anyway. Or, right. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, the way they're moving the ball, that is one, one issue they have. They're very tight rotation, seven to eight guys, and that's about it. So they don't go very deep. When they play somebody like Florida State, who sends body after body after body after you, um, that could be uh, problematic. And if they get hurt somewhere, you know, if, if Justin Robinson gets hurt, you know, knock on wood for Hokie fans, that he doesn't. But 
uh, that's that's a disaster because he's such a, a key fulcrum point of that team. You know, he's just a master distributor and, and a good leader. They they've got a lot of good good players. Uh, Outlaw is a good player. It's good to see him back out there after he was gone last year. Um, he's in his sixth year. I mean, you got sixth year players. You got a fifth year player. You got four guys that are you know working on graduate degrees while they're playing hoops. And in this modern era where good, the best thing, teams yeah. are you know one and dones, uh, kind of cool to see. Well, next time we'll have to recap their uh, Virginia game because that'll be the big one. I think the lesson here, Mike, is that we need to get together more frequently than than what we just did because we had a lot to get to and we got but there won't be news now for like three weeks and then we won't have yeah i mean we'll wait till there's actually something to talk about we won't just complete but maybe we can rehash we can preview rhode island i think fans are are begging i well i think there is you know there's things we could do acc wise in terms of uh, you know looking at other teams in the acc what happened for their off season uh so we'll figure out things to talk about but uh just stay tuned and we'll get with you as soon as we can. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We will see you next time.